You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everyone and welcome back to Page to Stage, a conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. That's Mary. To put it simply, we're both theater nerds. So let's pull back the curtain and get a glimpse at the artist's process while creating their art. Hello, my name is Kevin Ray Johnson. I am an actor, a playwright, and a blogger. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much. Awesome. So we have a lot of questions. I know we definitely want to (laughs) tackle the blog part of your your life. We will. But first, I want to get into how was theater introduced to you? Theater was introduced to me by my mother at a very young age. She had a theater company in Minnesota called Miss Mary's Playhouse. And... I was introduced to the theater by a musical called Pearly. It's an African-American musical. And I just remember in the second act, these huge African-American men singing this song called First Thing Monday Morning. And I was just like, wow, this is what I want to do. <laughs> like, it just, it blew me away. Like, just like this, this song, just like just the power and just like just the presence. And I just remember just being blown away. So like, I always had theater in my life after that but like I really started to get very serious about it like when I was like 15 or 16 when I started doing show choir and shows and things like that. It's so amazing that some people have that definitive moment that they can remember back to and recall that that's the moment because I Mary do you have that for yourself? Yeah I don't remember the deed I know that it was like I was at like uh, maybe in the national tour of Les Mis. Mm. And I was like five like I was like just the age where like they would let you into the theater oh, yeah. <laughs> like four or five. So I don't remember all the details because I was so young, but I remember sitting there being like, yeah, this is really cool. And then having like the concert playing nonstop in my house. Yeah. And I was like sticking to a hairbrush. (laughs) At my house, that was, I don't remember a definitive moment, but my mom would always, and I do remember always listening to Beauty and the Beast and watching the movie, having them take me to the Broadway show on ice, like everything Beauty and the Beast. And I was obsessed with that. Yeah, I mean, like so my, maybe that was it. Definitely. Like my mom always tells these silly stories to everyone, like how like I would quote the Wizard of Oz, like, but I would quote the Wicked Witch lines, like, I'll bide my time and things like that when I was little. She always tells people that. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember that. But <laughs> Wizard of Oz sucks everybody in. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah, oh I've God. yet to hear someone not like that show. So. <laughs> in terms of education, did you go to school for theater? I went to school for music vocal performance. Where did you go? I went to Montgomery College in Rockwell, Maryland. And I'll be honest, I didn't finish school. I just really was so enthralled with just the business. And I just was like, I just want to go for it. Like I was like, and it's nothing against anyone who stays in school. I That's their path. It's just my path was just to start, you know, performing and things like that. And um, within a, like a couple months after like being done with theater, I mean, being done with school, I did a national tour with the Kennedy Center TYA on tour called Blues Journey. It was just heaven for someone who was like 21 years old. I was like, this is great. I was like, it was like one of those, like I've made it type of things. Were you working while you were in school? Like, were you doing, like, were you acting? Were you any of, like working at a theater? Montgomery College, they didn't, they weren't really like strict about you auditioning outside of school. So like I did things outside of the school, like community theater. Like I did, I remember I did like Grease at a dinner theater and things like that. But like, like nothing like very professional until like I was like kind of done with well the reason why i ask is because i felt what you just said like i when i was in school all i wanted to do was i just wanted to be working yeah but and i was working at a performing arts center like a black box theater Mm. doing like admin directing teaching i was doing all those things and i was like why am i in school right now like i could just be doing this full time so i wondered if that was like a similar you just felt like 
Yeah, and it's just like one the cool thing about it because like that's in the DC area. So like a lot of my teachers were like working actors in the area. One of my professors was a very young Jessica Francis Dukes who um has just made a huge name for herself since. That just really inspired me. I was just like, man, I just want to kind of be doing what they're doing, you know? When did writing enter your life? This is a distinct moment that I remember it. Um, I am originally from Minnesota and I moved from Minnesota, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota to Germantown, Maryland. And any Midwest kid will tell you there's just something about the Midwest. I was so sad, so depressed. And like, I watched Inside Out. She's like, I miss Minnesota. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. And I remember my mom just giving me like a composition notebook. And this was like, you should just start writing down your feelings. And I just, that's when writing first got introduced to me. I would just have a journal. But then after a while, I just remember like writing like little stories. And then like at Montgomery College, I would take like, you know, creative writing classes. I was like, this is really fun because the difference between like writing and like performing is that like you don't really have a time limit on it. Like you can take as long as you want with any story you're telling. And I know like with a with a show or something, you have this amount of time and then you put it up and it's over. And I'm like, I could take all the time I need with whatever I want. I first got introduced to answer your question like when I was like 15, 14. Yeah, so it's almost that sort of control that you have full artistic control over what you're doing and when you feel like it's ready to be put out in the world. Definitely. Which is so different from performing. Yeah. And like, yeah, perform, I mean, I, but performing, there is like a, it, it, there is the same feeling like, you know, you're about to put something out in the world, but like, you know, writing is just like, I don't know, just, you just have that more control, like you said. Yeah. What kind of stories are you interested in telling as a writer? I am interested in telling stories that can relate to any type of generation. The first thing I ever really put out to the, the world was a play called Life Inside an Open Cage which chronicled my life while living with diabetes. It was just a short little like 45 minute play. I brought it to the French festival, uh, the DC French festival. It was a fun thing. My actors were very patient. I just always want to write something that like some people can connect to. Cause I just didn't remember growing up and like, you know, being the diabetic and having to leave the classroom to go check my blood sugar and things like that. And this, it may seem like, you know, not that big of a deal, but it was just like, oh, I feel like so, such a outcast with that and i just wanted like you know anybody who came to see it and i was fortunate enough to have some like young kids to come see it and they're like wow i'm not alone and things like that so i just like want to write things that people can connect to what is the process when you sit down you have an idea i guess even to back it up further than that where, where like where do the ideas come from was it is it based on conversations is it just an idea do you just write it down first it's for me it's just based on at that time when i first started writing The Unpredictable Times, I was 19, I'm now 33. And it was just based on just like remembering a lot of people that I grew up with in Brooklyn Park and Champlin, Minnesota, and just my friends and paying homage to like some of the drama. And then when you sit down to, to write it out, is there a certain process? Does it look the same across all of your shows or is it a different process for each show? I want to get the idea of like point A to point B, where they are starting and where they're going to end. And then like I just start writing ideas like who I want these characters to be. And then that's kind of like putting that together, kind of that's when like the plot comes and all the things like that channeling back to your journaling days you channel a channeling back to my journal yeah. days and like just basically like kind of you know it out. there was a time in my life where i was really really st stuck on making sure that every character was completely different but like you know that kind of neglected like you know the plot in some ways so like i would i just kind of like relax from that and like you know characters can have similar traits and like i've learned that in the last couple of years like you know they can have these things in common and it's you know that's fine so like it's just yeah just going back to that Hmm. Was there a moment where you real like when you realized that 
characters can cross over a little bit as far as traits go? Or was it just something you learned as you were writing more and more? I've been working on this for a long time. And I think that moment came when my director, um, his name's Lee Lewis, he came in and just had a completely different point of view on how he saw these characters. And like he saw like some similar traits and like what they would be interested in, things like that. And then that made me like, wow, I never thought of it that way. You're choosing what to take from everybody else's input Definitely. in the collaborative process. Mm-hmm. Like even with like certain things on Broadway, like with West Side Story and things like that, I'm like, if I was like Sondheim, I, I, I can't speak for him. I'll be flattered that like people have these different takes and like, oh, this is how I feel about it. Like, oh, okay, well, let, let's see what happens. Like, you know? So. Yeah, it's like your piece is the seed for other people's inspiration and art in exactly. that case. Yeah, definitely. Can you take us through the process of getting one of your plays up to a full production? And what's the submission process like to theaters and festivals? To be honest, I am like subscribed to so many playwriting websites and things like that. I try to get my work out there as much as possible. Like, I literally, um, even to this day, I try to submit to at least one or two things a day. I just really do. And like, if, if it seems like something that would appeal to me, I will submit to it. Now, when you say submit to it, are you submitting a piece of writing? What goes into a submission process? It depends on the company. It depends on the festival. Sometimes they just want the full play, but they always like take your name off of it, things like that. And then sometimes they want a 10 or 15 page sample and I'm prepared with all of that. Yeah, it's just pretty much just like figuring out what they want and just like seeing if it would benefit my pieces to go there. But like there are some festivals where they're like, you know, I'm like, definitely, I should definitely submit to that. I was going to ask, what are the, I guess, are there certain qualities of an organization or like, is there a mission statement that that you go by when you're looking at the companies? Because I know you just said that you're, you pick and choose. Any, anything that's like out of the box or like anyone that they, they're like, they're open-minded to like trying new works and things like that. You know? Yeah, because I, I would have to think that that would mean that that would give your piece some sort of benefit in the process yeah. when you guys are actually going into production or you know, pre-production. You're going to get whatever their mission statement is. Uh, it's going to exude in the process that you're experiencing with the piece yeah, and, definitely. and um, inspire the piece and you, hopefully. There are those people that tell you that you should try to get your work up as much as possible. And I, and I do agree, but like, you know, it has to benefit you because you just don't like, I, do, I feel so bad when people put their work up and like they, didn't really get anything out of it. And I'm like, you just spent all that money and time and time. Time you can't get back. You can't get back. And and like, you know, is this like, you have to have like a a reason why you're doing it, you know? Plus I've heard people say that if it go, if it goes up and it doesn't, the feedback is either not ready or the feedback isn't great that Mm -hmm. it can then hinder future productions of it, which you never want. Exactly. So I mean, it's kind of like a, Catch 22. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that because I also feel like how can a show develop if it isn't seen in audience? And so if it's if it's not getting there. Well, I think that that's also on the audiences and and just like the the system in general, because everybody's always so judgmental. If you see that this is a work in progress, treat it as a work in progress, not a Mm. finished product. Yeah. I think that's like audiences and people who are in the system need to need to go in with that outlook if that's what the case is and definitely be ex- like be clear on what exactly this is a workshop produ- production is it you know a stage reading industry reading a table reading and i love the, yeah. when directors come out beforehand or playwrights yeah. and and just say this is where we are and just like not as a warning but you know this is where we are and i i hope that you see it that way as well so since you brought it up 
I want to talk about the play. I want to talk about the all of the readings and all the pro like the whole process of that. Mm -hmm. So how has that been for you? It has been very unpredictable, no pun intended. <laughs> oh, and also, in case we didn't say, the play is called The Unpredictable Times, yeah, correct? The Unpredictable Times. It has been a journey, but it's so cool that, like, all the people I've had the chance to, like, work with throughout the years. I remember, like, the one reading that kind of, like, put it on the map, quote unquote, <laughs> was in 2015 with Matt Shingledecker and Brian Charles Johnson and, like, those amazing actors. And then it went away for two years because, like, you know, just some stuff was happening. And I, I worked on another piece at the time. And then I, the next reading I did was at the Dixon Place Lounge and the lead was Alex Brightman. To me, like, I've enjoyed all the people I've had the chance to work with. The last reading we did was... January 7th of 2019, like a, almost a year ago, a little over a year ago. And it was um, at the Hudson Theater's Dress Circle Lounge. So, and it was an industry reading at a Broadway theater. And I, we just like, we're kind of just meanly, we're like, we've made it. <laughs> In that moment, we're like, dude, we've made it to Broadway. I don't care what anyone says. And so like, it's been, it's been great. It can be, it can be frustrating because you want people to see what you see in your piece. But like, at the end of the day, like, you know, you can't let that control you, like, especially as a writer, especially like, you know, just with how tough the industry is. Like, you know, if you constantly like sit and wonder why isn't this happening? Why isn't this happening? That can really destroy his writer. And that can also mess up your, like your creative psyche in a way. So I've met some wonderful people along the way and a lot of people who believe in this piece. How does the collaboration work with when you bring in new actors to play different roles? So what does that look like for you as a writer? The recent reading we did, we had Brian Flores, who was a standby in Head Over Heels and was Pippin in the tour. And like, we also had John Steiger, who's in Harry Potter on the, in San Francisco now. And like the way that they portray the roles of Brandon and Carl were just so contrasted what me and Lee were so used to. And I just remember the entire time, like it, we were just thinking like, it works though. My whole thing when it comes to like the process, especially with readings of my play, I just made a promise to myself and I try to do this the best I can to check myself at the door. And basically like, I want the actors to not feel like robots. I want them, I want to hear their opinions. I want to see, hear what they think. So like, I always welcome actors to like, tell me like how they feel about this character or how they feel about a moment. Like I kind of want them to be in on the collaborative effort. And like, you know, sometimes, and like, and like, I love, I love questions. Like, why did you do that this way? I'll like, I'll tell you why <laughs> and things like that. Do you always have an answer to those questions? Or do you ask them to ask themselves? <laughs> uh, it's open for interpreting. No, um, I, usually do there are a lot of things that like i try to have answers to and like there there are times i'm just like wow I've, i i i don't know <laughs> like you know things like that i and love I was, those moments yeah i was like wow i, I um let me get back to you let me sleep on that <laughs> and i'm sure because you're also an actor that you I'm, I'm assuming correct me if i'm wrong but you go into writing with that actor in mind yeah with an actor's voice in mind because you've you've gone through shows you you know you performed in several shows yourself it's at a point now where there's a role called Jake in the show. It's hard for me not to see Michael Cole Gray because he just really just like knocks it home. So like, you know, they're like, when I um write pieces, I always think like, who could play this part? You know, like in things like that, like just their styles and things like that. It kind of gets you into that character just at a baseline. Yeah. Just from that personality. It like humanizes them even more. Definitely. They're not, they're not just like on paper, you see 
you know, you and see that actor. It's kind of cool because like I remember like a lot, a lot of times with my readings, um, they're like, wow, this is a role I would play. Like, you know, they're like, yeah, this is really cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm an actor too. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what do you think are the greatest challenges of putting up a play of yours that you've written? scheduling <laughs> if i can be honest scheduling making sure that everyone is available um does that also mean you in terms of being in the do you like being in the room yeah for rehearsals yeah and so that would also i'm guessing you go home and do rewrites too and that takes time yeah there i mean like and like i there was only one situation in unprequal times where i had to do like major rewrites but like i usually kind of um I, I remember um, the documentary, um, the road to Broadway, the show business thing with Stevens, like Wicked and mm -hmm. all that. Yeah. And Steven Swartz was like, I only can really make big changes when the show's down. That's kind of how I feel with certain things. Like, unless like there's a big problem and we have to fix it then. But like, I usually like when it comes to like words and like how you say things that like, we can change it then. But like major problems, I don't try to fix until like. You're on a hiatus from yeah, the project. Yeah. That definitely. makes sense. Yeah. I, it is, it is it's different types of brains. Yeah, it, too. Just, it just makes so much sense. I just remember like the process can be a very short process, especially with a reading. So I don't want to like throw a lot at these actors. <laughs> like let's say we have like two rehearsals, then we're doing the reading. Like I don't want to like, all right, I completely changed the first act. <laughs> like You prioritize yeah. what's mo most beneficial for that specific process. Yeah. And I like I go from hearing like, you know, what the actors think and what like Lee, how he feels about certain things and like the feedback I get from the audience. I just put it all together i'm like okay do you go into each next iteration what you know going from like a reading to a workshop to a presentation whatever it is do you have a goal for each of those steps i try to in invite as many people as i can like it's my goal to always open the door and always have industry people even if it's not an industry reading i like you know try to bring industry people there i um try to record it and then like i will send it to people it's always a fine-tuning game when it comes to plays like you like um until and there's just like a moment when you know, like, okay, now we got to get it on its feet. And like, you know, until that happens, I like, you know, try to. That's so important to take the time to think about recording your work. Yeah. There's so many pieces that I did in college and outside of college that I really wish that I would have just, you know, by the time you think, oh, let's record this, it's the day of the performance yeah. and it's like, oh man, I'd love to have this just for some sort of uh, portfolio of mine and like it doesn't even have to be like video recorder like sometimes i just like turn my phone on and put the recording on and just like i do that a lot now like the first reading when we do the rehearsals do you record rehearsals you're saying the first rehearsal like process like we usually sit at the table and we read through it right and i will like record that one and i yeah. always do that i always ask like is it cool and they're like yeah and then like i do that oh that's so interesting and what does that do for you as a writer when i like hear like let's say an actor like stumble through a line or like something like that i i don't always want to blame the actor i want to see i, I want to go back and read read it and be like did i write that in a weird way you know because like there's this like you know some of like the way you speak and stuff can some sometimes go into your writing i'm like that might not work for <laughs> the way i speak might not work for everyone else so i'm like i, I want to maybe i should like adjust that with unpredictable times i've like there have been times where i've just gone back and read it just read brandon or just read nicole or just read you know one of the characters like in one sitting yeah oh that's cool yeah just like one character then like i don't try to like read it like a book i just read like one character and see if it see makes if sense they're tracking yeah pretty much yeah 
Yeah. That's so interesting. I'd never thought about that. As an actor, I've done that with my lines. I'll just read all of my lines in a row without paying attention to like just the highlighted lines of mine. Yeah. Of course, after I've read it in full. (laughs) But it is really interesting when you're first getting acquainted to a character from an actor's perspective Mm -hmm. to go in and just read your own lines and, and really get in touch with that character's language and way of speaking. Definitely. That started actually recently for me. Like it started with that first reading I was talking about with Matt Shingledecker and Brian Charles. Cause like I remember like the first reading, I was so excited. And um I just remember hearing a line happen a lot. And it became like a, a joke during the rehearsal process. Like it's been four years. And like they said it a lot. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize how many times that like everyone says it in the show. And then like it is after a while, I was like, guys, all right, it's been four years. This just it just became a joke. So I was like, I, I gotta start reading my work in a different way. And that's just that's how it's worked for me. Can we talk about a funny imagination? We can. Oh. Okay. <laughs> what? I'm just thinking about the inspiration behind that play. Oh, yeah, that's my first question, though. So it's tagged in your bio as the unauthorized parody based on the characters of Doug. Did I get that right? Okay, so Nickelodeon years. <laughs> yeah, I know because I was thinking I was like, wow, this is like right back to my childhood. Like <laughs> every like after school. I remember I had like a begin to read book of Doug. Yeah. It was like from I think it was my first chapter book. <laughs> it was just like a story it's from a Doug. Book? Oh, yeah, it was that. one of those like easy reader chapter oh, books okay. when I was like five or six. In case anyone doesn't know, <laughs> yeah, for Doug, all the for all the Doug is a people younger than us that oh. was created and it, it started from 1991 to 94 and then it moved to Disney from 95 to 99. I always knew it. I'm happy that we started with Unbreakable Times because like. After a while, like with the piece, you're like, okay, it's kind of set in stone. We we just have to let it. Let's see what happens. Me and Lee are like, you know, we both we both are on the same page. Like, let's just see what happens if people are interested. And I wanted to start putting my focus and my interest in something else, you know. And like, not to disregard unpredictable times, it's been great. But I just wanted to put my creative juices to something else. And I always knew that I wanted to write something like this. I just didn't know what it was, and I just was like thinking of my childhood and things like that and all the things that I grew up on, be it like the Mighty Ducks, I'm from Minnesota and things like that. And like, you know, I just grew up on weird things like that, like the secret world of Alex Mack. People probably don't remember. And like, and I like, don't. Yeah. It's because you're like, so young. I am younger than you guys. <laughs> and it's just like, and I remember one of my, I, I was like trying to think of like what my favorite cartoon was. And I was like, okay, Doug, I remember a lot of Doug. And I just remember like, the Nickelodeon years, like those are the ones I really remember because like when I went to Disney, I was like, eh. That is the only time I knew Doug was when it went to Disney. I already knew. That's my wife. She, the only time she knows Doug was yeah. Disney. So my, yeah. like, my wife, Rachel was like, I knew Doug from Disney. So yeah, I just wanted to do something like this. And like Doxy's Gosh is one of my favorite shows. I just think it's so brilliant. Doxy's God. Yeah. I just think it's so brilliant. I remember I saw that it was on Hulu like a couple years back, several years back. And I was like, I'm just going to watch this. But I made the choice to like not watch what I remember as a kid. I wanted to watch this through the eyes of an adult. I was like, I want to watch watched this cartoon through the eyes at the time of a 30 year old adult i'm like what does what does kevin so know? were there a lot of like sexual references there no because <laughs> that's that's how i feel when i watch things back yeah. that i i liked when i was younger i'm like oh those parents are talking dirty exactly you're just <laughs> that's like, not a no, joke there's a, there's a lot of things you're just like wait really like one of the biggest discussions which i really am so happy that's been happening in society is mental health 
And basically just communication in general. I watched back and I was like, like me and my wife would both agree. Cause like my wife is, my wife, Rachel is so wonderful, so optimistic, but we both were like, geez, there is a lot going on with him. Like if you just, he follows his thoughts to conclusion a lot. And I just had this idea. I was like, wow, there's, there's a lot going on up there. So I just had this idea of like basically seeing what these characters look like from the ages of 18 to 28. And throughout that time before that, like he never got it figured out. And like, I just kind of like where these characters ended up like mentally. So you're currently at the Met in Porgy and Bess. I am a standby in that. Yeah. Right. I wanted to ask you, since we haven't had anybody on the podcast that's been in an opera, I just wanted to talk about what that experience is like. And specifically, since you are a standby, does that differ from uh, standbys in theater at all? The one thing that... um. I find unique about a standby in opera with my position, like, you know, as a Steve door super and things like that is that, um, there are times where like you can be called on for like a scene, you know? Oh yeah. Like, and, like there was on um, one of the other standbys he went on for like, there's a funeral scene, if you know, Porgy and Bess and he, he, he went on as one of the undertaker's assistants for that scene and things like that. Like, so like that, why, have, why would that be necessary? Just based off of like... Someone says, I just don't want to go on for that scene. Well, it, it also is, is based off of like, you know, lifting and things like that. Like he, like there was a, we have to lift something in that scene, um, like a, a casket. And like, I think it might've just been like a situation where like the person just couldn't do, but like they're fine to do the rest of it. They just couldn't like, you know, it's very... um very detail oriented like they like when it comes to like operas and things like that like it's a big big show <laughs> there's big a bu- cast how, yeah, big, how many people are in the cast it has to be well over 50 or 60 like yeah it's it's, it's oh my God. Well, it's, that stage is so big isn't the stage it? is huge and and it's so cool and um there's a lot of standbys and things like that but like i cover two standbys and the, the two standbys i cover when people ask when they come see the show i'm like there's a part in the show where a principal character gets lifted upside down by two guys and the two guys that lift them are the two people I cover. They just need someone with similar heights. We're all 6'4". It's been a once in a lifetime experience. Something I will never forget. Like, you know, from our director, James, to um, the choreographer, Camille Brown, who just the director in me and like me like just watching the process because like standbys are on the side they're watching the rehearsal process like i like i have learned so much by watching them and watching just how a creative team can work together in a room that any class i could have ever taken like camille brown truly is a master of her craft these dancers that camille the dancers dance ensemble they are acting their ass off in these scenes (laughs) the funeral scene like is one of my favorite scenes and just like how passionate they are with their movements and things like that it's just it's like hard to take your eyes off of them and then to add the music the chorus and things like that it's just yeah, Camille, she's going to be all right. She's going to do pretty good for herself. She's <laughs> if you're listening, Camille, we'd love to have you on the podcast. So I wanted to ask if you have any advice on any artist, theater maker, that's trying to you know claim space in the industry right now. Lots of patience and just really teach yourself to not ever take it personal. And with that being said, though, you it's okay to get disappointed. It's okay to be mad if something doesn't go your way. So it's those emotions are okay. But, you know, just try to, like, you eventually got to, like, you know, grow and move on and get over it. Just get used to rejection. 
but you know, just like always just remember why you started and just remember that like, it's, it's still a fun industry, you know, and, and like, just enjoy, enjoy the journey. Like, you know, don't start your career ever, especially in New York with just destination, just come to New York and just basically just like enjoy everything that comes your way, you know, and enjoy every moment. Every moment's another opportunity. That's so interesting. So that leads me to our next topic uh, or one of your other skill sets. So you write for onstage blog. I do. Yeah. And so how did that come your way? Uh, did you ever expect to have a hand in journalism in a sense? When it comes to playwright, I didn't go to college for playwright. Like I said, I don't have a degree in it. So like I literally, when it comes to writing, I just always want to learn different ways of writing and like things like that. And journalism is an art form. Form It is tough. I was very naive when I first, I was like, how, how hard can it be? It, it can be tough. <laughs> um, and I just literally like Chris Peterson is very very uh, open and optimistic and great. And like he um, literally just gave me an opportunity. There was an article that I wrote that um, became like weirdly viral at one point where it was like, stop asking black performers to talk or sound blacker during auditions. And I remember this. <laughs> I totally remember this article. <laughs> it went everywhere. And I just was like, it just, a situation happened. And I just remember feeling a certain way about it as an African-American man. And it's over now. I've moved on. But I was just like, you don't realize that, like, you shouldn't say that. Like, I get regionalism that I get. So I just I just like, Chris, I have this article. Let me know what you think. And he's like, he's like, it's, it's cool. Let, let's, you know, and he published it. And then, like, it, the rest was history. And then, like, after a while, like, I just was really wanting to just to try different things. I just didn't want to constantly just write articles of like, this is how you need to do it. Like, I don't, I didn't want to be that person, but I also like really enjoyed, I just remember enjoying like watching like inside the actor's studio and his questions were always very simple, you know, and I just love reading interviews, be it like regional performers, Broadway. I just love reading like people's stories. So I just decided just to come up with this idea of like, you know, just interviewing actors. I was like, cause I've been fortunate enough as a playwright and as a performer to meet people throughout my career. And I was just like, Hey, um, I'm just going to reach out to people. The first interview I ever did was with Kyle Scatliff, amazing actor, good, like a friend of mine. And, um, and I just reached out to him right before he um, joined the tour of Hamilton. I was just like, Hey, can I, interview you like I just I just want to try this and I and I just when I started that I was like I once again checked myself because I was like Kevin you're just starting this no one knows who you are so expect no's expect a lot of no's and in the and like and he was like yeah sure so I just asked like five questions like how old were you when you knew you want to be a performer like you know are there any mentors that helped you along the way how's your time been in the current show and then I'm like you know are there any shows that stick out in your career then I, I ended it with like, what advice would you give young performers? I remember like, you know, the first couple ones, people were like, I, I liked your questions. You asked like the right questions. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So this might work. But I kept reminding myself to check myself because in the beginning, every yes I got, I got about like, let's say three or four no's. It just like, cause they're like, but they never, no one was ever mean about it. They're just like, no, like, like, no, no, thank you. Like I, I'm, I have a schedule, things like that. I was just really lucky in the beginning to like, interview some really cool actors who have gone on to this like I got at, right after Kyle Scatliff I got to I um, reached out to Jelani Aladdin and he was like yeah I was like oh okay cool he's like let me just ask my manager and just things like that and another thing I learned then after that was Lily Cooper a year before she gets the Tony nomination and I was just like wow and then like Taylor Iman Jones and just a lot of these great ac actors and actresses and the rest was history and then like I, I just also started to 
try to put a focus on yes, I would I would love to interview names, but I also want to in- interview like ensemble members and understudies and and sh- let the world and like especially theater kids because like I get a lot of feedback from like theater kids about that that read my um interviews and I'm like I would love for them to know like their journey and like how they got there and things like that and two years later about 70 interviews later like the cool thing about it is like in the beginning um a lot of the actors that I reached out to that were saying no are now like like doubling back and saying hey so if you're still interested and things like that and while some people would take offense to that i kind of feel like in this industry like you you can't just jump in with any type of entitlement you have to earn people's respect and to me i'm like it's not like oh don't claim me now it's like oh wow okay i'm i i'm doing something right to me that was like the most rewarding feeling in the world and the journalism part like you know the cool thing about it is that like Chris Peterson is very, he's been hands off with it, but he will give me advice. Like, you know, when it comes to grammar and editing and things like, he's like, how about you try this and things like that. He's also been very cool with that. Once in a while, you'll get like, you know, actors who like don't want to answer a certain question. So, you know, you have to just figure out another question to ask them and things like that. But like the one thing that I love is the final question, which is what advice would you like to give young performers? Because it feels so good to see all these successful performers and people who you know they've had their ups and downs and it's like and they're all their their advice is positive it feels so good because i came up in a time where all like you know the older artists were like it's gonna be tough you're gonna be struggling and and i'm just like we got to give the younger generation more credit when it comes to their intelligence of this business like they i think they have an idea of how tough it's going to be you know so i was like i just i'm so happy that like all the artists have given positive answers you know you don't want to kill that joy or that spark before it it even has the chance to experience things itself it is like it is so to me like it is such a heartbreaking thing when you see like a kid like lose their passion for theater it is such a heartbreaking thing because like you know like they're the future like you want to keep this industry going like no matter where i go if success or not i i want to see other kids love this as much as you know i do and like as much as it gave me a purpose they gave me a direction just theater as a whole and things like that and like um over the summer last summer i had the chance to um be a counselor and a teacher at um a performing arts camp in wisconsin called haran camp and the cool thing about that and like there's such a rewarding thing when you're around a bunch of kids who just who who recently got like that theater bite of that theater bug you know it's such a cool feeling <laughs> to be around a bunch of kids who are like that so the energy is probably off the charts <laughs> energy's off the charts they're so excited never play a hamilton soundtrack <laughs> 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 like they will it get it gets real they know every single word i'm like blown away by it so what is the interview process like are do, are you always meeting people in person do you do it over the phone does it change person to person it changes person to person but like what it's kind of an interview slash like questionnaire type of thing. Like I'll send them the questions because. And it's always the same five questions, it's right? The same, it's the same five questions, give or take, I'll adjust them. Now, like, you know, people have heard of me and things like that. So like, they're like cool to do it. But like, I learned in the beginning of it, like I just really, some actors just in general, especially when they're, they've made it to Broadway, things like that. Like their best way of communicating is through text or email or something like that so i was like i want i don't want this to be in any way stressful to them i I, like i do in some ways want to cater to them so i was like i I tell them like the process is simple like i can send you the questions and you don't have a word limit i was like but i was like you know i will edit if you if i have to and they usually are very 
quick to respond <laughs> like that. And so like that, that's, that's what works for me. The first couple of interviews, like I, you know, we met somewhere and I asked them the questions, but like, that's kind of been my process ever since. Do you have a goal on what you want to see your blog become or your interviews on the blog become? I have a small goal, which <laughs> has been achieved one time with um, <laughs> once on this island's Facebook page <laughs> when Savannah Jackson Page's um, interview got shared. <laughs> I know it's so corny, but like I really my goal is to see my interviews shared on like the official Broadway Facebook pages and Instagrams and things like that. I'm also kind of like living my goal right now. Cause like, it's kind of getting cool where like I'm managers and, and something sometimes are reaching out to me and saying, Hey, we would love for you to. So like, that's kind of a goal that's been achieved in mind. Like just, it makes it easier too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it, it's always a weird, like feeling when people recognize you for something that you never thought they'd recognize you for. Cause like I've, I've been doing theater for a long time. So I was like, maybe people will recognize me for a show. Isn't I've done. that so funny? Yeah. yeah. And, and You're working so hard as a playwright and an yeah. actor. And then they recognize you for a blog, which I went to an open call, open call. And like, you know, you do the sign and stuff like that. Pro studio, open call realness. And literally they recognized my name, Kevin Ray Johnson. And they were like, they literally asked if I was the same one that like does the, interviews and i just was in that moment i was like wait are you really like i was like you read those and like it's just so cool like when uh like i like i have like you know some ties in florida and like all the like theater kids in florida like i read all your articles and things like it's just Aww. it's so cool to like like for kids like to get that inspiration things like that who do you want to interview next put it right out there in the universe <laughs> who do i want to interview next and you only interview performers right now right i would love to um Branch out into branch other... out to different things. I would um, who would I really want to interview? Shoshana Bean. Shoshana, if you're listening, <laughs> knock knock, um, <laughs> and then come to us. Yeah. <laughs> so I always like to ask if I don't, you know, getting a feel for it in the conversation. If you would say you have a mission statement as an artist, and it's okay if you do not have a mission statement as an artist, it will probably be what's tattooed on on my right leg. Come as you are. Mm. Powerful. Yeah. He came in with that mission statement. Like literally just come as you are, be yourself. Um, I'm going to, I will never try to be something I'm not in front of you. So I just, I just want to, I want to see the real you as an artist. And it feels so good when you're in a room where you can f feel comfortable. So I just like, just, just be yourself, come as you are. I really think we're in that age of like the authenticity right now. I don't know if, if I'm the only one that, that thinks that, yeah. but I like, it's come up a lot in conversation, like conversation, in the last year. In the work. Yeah. In what people are hoping to see in the work. It's just, Especially it, in like social media too. If I can like even just go back, like I just remember having the the chance for Alex to read, Alex Brightman to read my play. I just remember how genuine he was. He was just such a real cool down to earth guy. And I'm just like, you can, you don't have to be something you're not to have success in this business. You can still be the person you are. And like, he just was a strong reminder of that when I like had the chance to work with him. I was just like, he's just so chill and just so nice and yeah, very open. <laughs> and I'm sure he's the same way today Yeah, he just, than he was, you know, two or three years or four years ago, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Come as you are. That's definitely going to be one of Mary's social media posts for this episode. <laughs> I, I can feel it. Can you see the future? I can see it. <laughs> so we always ask our guests for the final question. What was the last great piece of theater that you saw? The band's visit. <laughs> I'm thinking about like, wow, it's been that long since like, yeah, the band's Something visit. has affected you that much. When it came to like just 
the actor in me and the writer in me, you can feel the pacing of the show. Cause like uh, the one issue that I feel I have as a writer is like my pacing. And I just felt like it just like, it was a one act and it felt like it just like flew by, but it felt like you were in the moment the entire time. It's so, so accurate. I d- it totally like pacing did um, jump out to me when I saw that musical. And, yeah. And that, and like, I, I'm not to like, you know, plug my own show but poor again best like it's just something about being an african-american artist and you're at the metropolitan opera and you you're on stage with 60 african-americans and it's just like this historic moment it there, there, that was just a powerful thing and just like you know like it's just goosebumps every time like i see everyone on that stage and so like that, just that story alone, just how it was presented and stuff like that, that also moved me. Where can our listeners find you on social media? And um, can you tell them uh, what website to go to for your blog? Um, for my blog, for my five question series, you can just go to onstage blog. There's a search button. If you just Google, I mean, type in Kevin Ray Johnson, you'll all my interviews will pop up or you can go to their profiles page, which is where all my interviews are posted. Um, my social medias, facebook.com backslash Kevin Ray actor. And my Instagram um, at Kevin Ray playwright and actor. And I have an Instagram for a funny imagination. We're getting ready to do a run of it at the New York Theater Festival. And that's um, at a funny imagination. <laughs> awesome. And we'll link it all in the description yeah. notes. So. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Thanks so much for coming. Yay, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. And if you're enjoying these conversations, we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.